Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon for Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. The idea that God came to teach us that every person has value and deserves respect has been a consistent message throughout the Bible. Whether it was in John 1, 4, about becoming flesh and living among us, or whether it was the idea to communicate and demonstrate what God was really like. All of it goes hand in glove with the idea of him being here to teach us that every person has value and deserves our respect. Now that's been a consistent theme all throughout the Bible. The Old Testament prophets repeatedly made that point to God's people because honestly, most of the time they were just scrambling, trying to survive, and they were just looking out for themselves, trying to do that, survival of the fittest, right? And so if it meant taking advantage of somebody, you know, so that I could have, you know, his flock or, or his wealth or even his wife, well, they would be willing to do that. And, and so that's why Old Testament prophets like Amos, for example, would say this from God to his people. In Amos 5, verse 24, let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. It's kind of funny, one of the several times on my drives to Texas in our uh, school years, we'd cross over the Red River. Well, I'd watched enough old westerns to know the Red River was famous. And so I was all excited when I saw a big sign, you know, the Red River's coming. I'm looking, you know, expecting something like the Mississippi. The bridge was long enough to cross the Mississippi. The only thing was the Red River at that point could have fit between these two planters here at the corner of the stage. It was barely a stream. And I thought, what in the world? Well, of course, at the right time of the year, when they would get rain in Texas, whether they needed it or not, that river would expand out to about the size of the Mississippi. So it was an amazing transformation. But he says, God's not like that, and your righteousness shouldn't be that way either. The idea of treating people right should not you know, ebb and flow like the Red River between, you know, 100 yards wide or 10 feet wide. It was also a constant message to the New Testament Christians as well because they were trying to survive their own sense of prejudice and persecution. James would describe it this way in chapter 127. Religion that God accepts as pure and without fault is this caring for orphans and widows who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's influence. And that evil influence is everywhere. It would follow it up in chapter 2, verse 1 with this thought, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? And then he would go on in a few verses after that to give illustrations that that showed how people would give favoritism or show partiality just based on appearances or on the money that they appeared to have. Now, it's not hard to figure out why God would care about how we treated people. 
as God, he's worthy of our respect. And that God who's worthy of our respect created people in his own image. That means if we're in his image and he's worthy of respect, then the people he creates are worthy of respect as well. The problem is if we devalue and disrespect God, then we probably also will devalue and disrespect people. There are weekly stories of how people today have lost any sense of the value of life. Here's one of them from New Mexico just this last week. It's not a car commercial. It's not a dumpster company commercial. It's a picture that was caught on security cameras of a young lady who was surprised by her pregnancy, put her newborn baby in a garbage bag and took it to the dumpster behind the building. The good news is some people who were dumpster diving heard the baby, rescued it, and the baby's fine. The contrast was striking to me, though, because it was just yesterday that I met with a young couple who's been in attendance here. And I ask you this morning to, to join with me in praying for Dylan and Emily. Hadn't seen them for a little while because of COVID, other circumstances, and they reached out to me to let me know that Emily was six months pregnant, but they had also discovered and just been told that because of a unique syndrome with chromosomes, that their baby would probably not survive very long after delivery. And so they reached out and uh, wanted us to pray for her. This last weekend, because of some other physical problems that Emily had, they decided we have to induce labor and the baby would be born a couple of months early. And then because things took an even sharper unexpected turn, they had to do an emergency C-section. By the time I was able to get there, they had they had intubated the baby to allow time for the family and, and me to get there. And as I walked in the room, I saw this little doll-type bundle. Dylan had actually picked up a teddy bear in a gift shop, and the, the teddy bear was bigger than their baby. And the family gathered around, and they took turns holding the child with everyone weeping silently over it in grief and remorse for, for the loss of their first child and grandchild and great-grandchild. What an amazing contrast between the grief of that loss and the callous disregard of throwing a baby away in a dumpster. The value of every person 
was something that was a spiritual conviction of those who wrote our Declaration of Independence. You remember the words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men were created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The only problem with this is that when it says self-evident, self-evident is only self-evident to those who acknowledge a creator and his love for those that he created. If you don't acknowledge a creator, then it's only natural to discriminate instead of, instead of treat people equally. If you don't acknowledge a creator, then what's natural for us is prejudicial bias, not fairness. Instead of celebrating life, we only celebrate convenience. Now, this couldn't have come at a better day, and it just amazes me of God's timing. Because today is referred to as Sanctity of Life Sunday. I didn't realize that when I was timing out the sequence of these lessons. But it's a reminder of the sanctity of life that tells us that you can't treat people like garbage. Whether you literally throw them away in a dumpster or whether you emotionally throw them away because you just find it inconvenient to deal with them. And God's message, whether it was in the Old Testament through prophets like Amos or whether it's in the New Testament through his own son, Jesus, the message is the same. You can't treat people like that. That's wrong. Knock it off. Innocent people are getting hurt. Now, it was in that same Declaration of Independence that it would go on to remind us that governments are formed when individuals refuse to self-govern and protect those God-given equal rights. It would go on to say this, that to secure these rights, which rights? The unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to secure these rights, because people will forget them, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. We acknowledge sometimes we need help to remember to treat all people equally and to value all life equally. But just as people can forget that we have a Creator who created each one of us to be equal, that's why governments are needed, to make sure that we all have equal treatment under the law. But sometimes governments fail us. And governments that we consent to forget that we have a creator. Sometimes, I know this is hard to imagine, sometimes governments will even try to deny the existence of a creator or silence any talk of a creator that same Creator who created each one of us equally. And that's why the Declaration of Independence would go on with this phrasing. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, 
Which ends? The ends of being created equal by God. The ends of having and ensuring life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The freedom to find the joy of life that comes when we treat each other equally. It is the right of the people to alter that government. It is the right of the people to abolish that government if it cannot be fixed and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles. Such principles as what? That all men were created equal. Now this is not a political science class. This is not a this is not a historical class of the Constitution. It's simply a reminder of why in the world we get so messed up in this world. Because showing people respect is not natural to us. What is more natural to us is might makes right. That comes very easy to us, to, to just bull in a china shop our way through life and run over people that are weaker than us or can't protect themselves from us. You see, treating people with respect and recognizing their value and worth is something that we have to learn. If you question that, just think back to the last time that you had toddlers in the same room. who want the same toy. And even if the only word they know is mine, that's exactly the word they're going to use emphatically. Because that's what comes natural to us. Might makes right. And if I can yank it out of your hands and smack you over the head with it, I don't care if you hurt. I don't care if you cry. I've got my toy. But somehow we manage not to grow out of that when we go into adolescence and the early teen years. Only now, we call it bullying, right? Because those young teen years can be brutal. Only now the club that they're beating others with is social media. It used to be if you had a bad day at school, you got to leave and go home. But now when you leave and go home, social media and the things that people say about you that made your day so terrible, horrible, and no good continue to be there. It's also true of why we got so messed up with our politicians. Why would they act that way? Because might makes right. That's what comes natural to them instead of showing people equal respect. It's also why when we look at cultures around the world, and we, I saw, saw one video this last week, there was a woman, I forget the country it was in, but there was a woman being flogged with a hundred lashes. It's because she had an affair with another married guy, he got, he got punished as well, although it was only 15. So, you know, 15 for him, 100 for her. Not really sure how that makes sense. But when you look at things like that, you think, well, that's not fair. Why would they do that? How could they treat people like that? It's because might makes right. 
in their mind. What's natural to them is their version of the golden rule, which is usually this one of how we learned it. Whoever has the gold gets to make the rules, or whoever has the tightest grip on the toy gets to make the rules. Now, that's typically how the world operates. We used to call it bullying. Advisors and consultants today, though, call it leveraging because it sounds better. And we can make money off of you, showing you how you can leverage your position over somebody else to take advantage of them. You see, it comes naturally to us to look for a weak spot, a weak link that makes somebody else vulnerable so that we can gain the advantage. It comes natural to us to look for something that makes us feel better about ourselves, even if it means looking down on you for the way you look, the way you, the way you dress, the degree that you have or don't have, the money you make or don't make, the place where you live, the car that you drive, the size of your TV. Why in the world would that bother people? Why would that matter to people? And it... It also explains, though, why in the world Jesus would become one of us. And here's, here's the, the core of the sermon today. Remember the Christmas passage? It's pretty familiar from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The government will be on his shoulders. We needed Jesus to step in and govern our lives. Because as individuals... We forget how to do that. And when we elect governments to do that, they become drunk with power and they forget why they were put in office in the first place. We need Jesus to govern our lives. Everyone deserves equal respect because of our God-given value. When Jesus stepped into our world, people only had value if they were useful. They were seen as property and treated as property to be owned, used, sold, or discarded. I want you to pause a little bit here and think about the mentality of a very prevalent thought process in our world now of population control. Without going down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theory, it's not a new thought. If we can get rid of those people who are not productive, then we won't have to waste money or resources on them. That's not a new thought. It's as old as mankind. But you see it cropping up again and again and again. There's only value if you can do something for me. Now, when we think of slavery, our reference point usually is colonial America, antebellum mansions and cotton fields. But even then, there was at least a thread of conscience that was formed by the Christian mentality that was in the world at that point in time was it developed no but it did motivate some to stand against that and yet when jesus came into the world there was none of that in that first century world there was an acknowledgement of the gods and it was their job to appease them 
Now, their gods were cruel, so they had no reason not to be cruel to those that they had control over. If the gods have mistreated me, then what difference does it make if I mistreat someone else? There was no sense of God will hold me accountable for how I treat people. In the Greek and the Roman world, there was a caste system of value even among their slaves. Household slaves had a greater value than field slaves. And field slaves had more value than common laborers. The only basis for your value in those cultures was your family standing. And that was based on the amount of land that you owned, the wealth that you had, the political power and the influence that you had over others. That was the only reason why anybody would respect you. Without those, you had almost zero rights. And there were there was very little expectation of justice. Why in the world would Jesus come? He came to teach us that God values the individual. Think of some of the things that Jesus was famous for teaching. You've heard the story of the Good Samaritan, right? It taught us that everyone has value in the eyes of God. Jesus used the Samaritan, which was typically seen as a half-breed outcast in their society. And he uses that one who was looked down upon and makes him the hero of the story. God saw him as more righteous than even a priest or a teacher of God's law. And in the trilogy of lost things in Luke 15, the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. When Jesus told those stories, the thing that they all had in common was the value of the individual. And it was unheard of in that time. A single misplaced coin was worth the relentless effort to find it, even though it was lost by carelessness. A single stubborn sheep had the same value as the 99 others in the rest of the flock. And a second-born son who had no rights, no blessing, that went to the first-born son. And when that second-born son actually brought shame on the family, he was celebrated and rejoiced over and actually welcomed back into the family. The value of the individual. And then in Mark chapter 12, there's a story of the widow's might. It's our best King James version of that the little bit of an offering, the two coins that she offers. And Jesus honors this woman, which in that culture was an unheard of thing, for her sacrificial giving. Even though she was poor and without influence and power, even though she was a widow and lost her social standing in their culture, and without the respect of social position. She's someone who feels anything but blessed by God because she's lost everything, and yet Jesus lifts her up, not as cursed by God, but blessed by Him. God valued her small offering because it came from the heart, much more than any of the significant offerings dropped in the coffers by the wealthy. And then what about the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus identifies people that God values and blesses? You remember how that went in Matthew 5, blessed are the, and then he goes on to fill in a number of different people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. None of these people felt blessed. None of these people were looked upon as blessed. And yet that's who Jesus honors and treats them as people who have value and worth. They were seen as people who were cursed and forgotten by God because of their circumstances. And yet Jesus not only teaches us that they have value, he actually shows us that God values the individual. With stories like the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. Jesus led his disciples back through a place called Galilee. They back to Galilee through a place called Samaria, and the disciples did not want to go through Samaria at all. It was, it was like the wrong side of the tracks in their day. Their reputation would be soiled if they were seen there or interacting with that. And yet, contrary to that, when Jesus sent them into town for food and they came back, they were shocked, amazed, astounded, surprised to see that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. In doing this, Jesus shows his disciples that God has value for individuals and the dignity that they deserve, regardless of how their culture looks at them, regardless of somebody's traditional view of their race, their heritage, their gender, or even their morality. When he says, Bro, where's your husband? And she admits, well, I, I don't have one. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. This is not somebody that that culture should have valued. And yet Jesus shows honor and respect to her. Everything about her screamed that she deserved to be disrespected and viewed upon with disdain. But not Jesus, because he came to show us that God values the individual. Then there was the interaction that Jesus had with a Roman centurion. Now, everybody hated the Romans because they had conquered their land. Especially the Romans, who were their special forces group. They weren't Navy SEALs. I mean, after all, it was a desert. But they had, they had centurions. And this Roman centurion that everybody hated had the gall to come up to Jesus and ask him for a favor. And it wasn't even for himself, it was for his servant. A servant was disposable. You're a Roman centurion. You can just pull anybody off the street and make a new one. Why would you care about this servant? And yet... Jesus shows his disciples the value that God has, both for the oppressors and the oppressed, those who served others. And then there were the tax, the tax collectors, Zacchaeus and Matthew. If this were Revolutionary War times, they would be referred to as the Tories. They were traitors to their nation. They saw an opportunity for themselves to get wealthy at the expense of their own countrymen. And the disciples were convinced that Jesus was going to lose any sense of credibility if he went to their house, and that's exactly what he did. He called Matthew and he says, I'm coming to your place. Let's have a banquet. He calls to Zacchaeus and he says, 
I'm coming to your place tonight. Invite anybody you want. And Matthew and Zacchaeus did the unthinkable, at least in the minds of those who followed Jesus. They invited everybody that was their friend. The people that everybody looked down on. The people that were the outcasts of society. In doing this, brace yourself. Jesus shows us the value that God has for people and the equal respect that they deserve even if their political views and affiliations are different than ours. Samaritans deserved respect. Romans deserved respect. Traitors deserved respect. People who had trashed their life deserved respect. And that's what Jesus shows them. Not just in dealing with them, but he even shows it in the way that he interacts with kids. All of the disciples were shocked when Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted by children. And it's not just because these adults hated kids. At that time, in that culture, children had no value. They actually were slaves in the salt mines. He showed the value of people by how he dealt with the physically sick as well. Even when it was healing a mother-in-law, he did that for Peter. Or whether it was healing a mother-in-law, or whether it was healing a demon-possessed man, or whether it was healing somebody who was so mentally ill that he had been banished to live in chains in a cemetery. His name was Legion. All of these people were deemed by their society to be unacceptable throwaways disposable people and yet Jesus touched the lepers which was incredibly unacceptable like Job it was assumed that God was punishing them why would you embrace somebody that their cooties could rub off on you not that we would know anything about being distanced socially from people today <laughs> and yet Instead of trying to divide people or belittle them because they didn't belong, Jesus embraced them. Even a convicted criminal with a death sentence, while on the cross, Jesus promised him an equal place, an equal place in the kingdom of God because of his faith. Jesus' death proves the equal value that God has for everyone. Now I want you to think, if you're already a believer and trying to follow Jesus, I want you to focus on this. If we really believe what John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If we really believe that, doesn't that prove that we're all equal in the eyes of God? Doesn't it say whoever believes in him will have eternal life? Without qualifier, other than their belief in Jesus. You see, the Apostle Paul would make this observation about 20 years later in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While us sinners, not the really bad ones, not the not so bad ones, while we were sinners. Not the people who already got their act cleaned up and those who hadn't yet. No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus lived his life without adjectives. It wasn't the faithful people that he was okay with. It wasn't the okay people, and it wasn't the not horrible people. He, be, he just became people, just like us. And he lived among people just like us and gave his life for people just like us. He knew the hearts of men. He knew the hearts of women. He knew the hearts of junior high girls and junior high boys. He knew the hearts of religious hypocrites. And he knew the hearts of people who had nothing to offer God. And the hearts of people who had nothing to do with God. And from where he hung on the cross, there really wasn't any difference at all. Because all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Philip Yancey made this observation. Let me paraphrase it for you for the sake of brevity. He said, the view of the earth from space is that of a smooth ball without mountains, peaks, or valleys. And perhaps that describes the vantage point of God that when he looks at us, all of our differences disappear. He only sees people that he loves and who are lost. It doesn't matter whether they're lost because of their apathy or their active rebellion against Him. They're in need of His love. When He looks at the world, He sees people who need forgiveness. When He looks at the world, He sees people who need guidance. Why in the world would He come to our world? He had no choice. He was compelled by love. Maybe that's why Jesus had such a low tolerance for arrogant self-righteousness. Well, because of who my family is. That's what makes me... Well, because of what we own. That's why I can... Well, it's because of where we live or what we drive or where I work. It's because of my faith. Or my morality, because I would never do. Or my church. Or my prayer life. Or maybe it's because I think my secrets make me better than you. When people abused people who bore the image of God, Jesus was quick to remind them that they were on the wrong side of God. That's why Christians should be the most non-judgmental, non-discriminating, non-biased people that there are in the world. Why in the world would Jesus come to be one of us? Because everybody is somebody who God loves. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. Now that may be self-evident, but it's not natural. That's why Jesus tells us that we need to die to self 
pick up our cross and follow his example of equality. For all were created equal by God. How can I in good conscience tell God by my actions that his standards are somehow lower than mine? Yet that's what the disciples tried to do. Lord, you can't go there. You can't be seen with them. Lord, don't let him walk away. He's, he's a rich young ruler. It'll give us more credibility. If you're someone who's trying to let Jesus tell you how to do life, you cannot live with an attitude of I'm better than you and claim to be Christ-like. Have you been listening to this thinking, yeah, but what about, because you know what they... And whether it's a certain nationality or a certain person who's been mean to you or someone who's just not as spiritual as you are, well, welcome home to the natural world of self-righteousness that Jesus came to save. There's just one thing. Jesus hated that in people because he knew that everybody's somebody that God loves. He knew why he had come, that everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. That's what Jesus knew, and that's why Jesus came. David, why don't you and a praise team join me up on stage? We'll wrap up here a little bit. You see, Jesus would tell us this. You're not different, or you're not better. You're just different. Maybe you need to check your heart and repent. If you think it's something that you've been able to hide, trust me, you haven't. They see your prejudice on your face. They see your reaction, your expression. They hear your bias and your judgmentalism in your tone. And they know what you think, even when you don't think it shows. Maybe it's time for us to just own it, admit it, and get intentional about being Christ-like instead. It doesn't have to be that way. Paul would write to the Galatians in chapter 3, and he would remind them of this. In Christ, you are all children of God through faith. Not the smart ones, not the dumb ones, not the rich ones, not the poor ones, not the good ones, not the bad ones. You are all children of God through faith. In verse 27, for all of you, if we were a little further south, all y'all, who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. You've put on Christ like a garment so that when God looks at you, what he sees is Christ because your life is hidden in him. When did that happen? When you were baptized into Christ, where I became a child of God by faith. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, because in the eyes of God, none of that matters. What does matter is this, that you are all, all y'all, one in Christ. 
Are you in Christ? Are you living your life in Christ? Does your mind reflect the mind of Christ? Do your behaviors reflect the life of Jesus? You're all one in Christ. And that happens, he says, when we're baptized into him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.